Good morning, everyone. Thought I would grab a uh, a stand. Um, I saw there was there was kind of a, a nicer one back there, but I just thought it was too big, so I just thought let's just stick with this one. It's good to see you all. I'm so excited to share God's word with you this morning. Uh, just a reminder again for those of you in student life, we are going to have student life this week. I feel like it's been forever. What the heck? And because I think. Uh, you know, two weeks ago, there was that crazy windstorm that happened. Do you guys remember that? And like, I, the, the lights were flashing in our house. I heard some people lost power. Is that true? Did some of you guys lose power? Yeah? You guys did? Okay. Maybe a couple of you did? Okay. So that was pretty crazy. And then we've, we've uh, you know, we do our traditional Christmas break. So it feels like it's been a while. But we're going to do it this week. So this Wednesday. And we're going to, since we didn't do our Christmas party, we're going to do a New Year's party, which it'll be kind of Christmassy. I mean, we're going to do like present unwrapping and stuff, so that'll be cool. But just like think of it, New Year's, it's going to be great. It's going to be great, guys. So, um, so yeah. Also, um, in the past, you guys have been so awesome and so generous with just um, signing up to provide meals for Squad. And so we are going to be putting that out, I think, in the email this coming week, and then we'll have it out this next week. And so be thinking and considering if you would like to provide a meal for youth group uh, sometime in the next semester. And, and it's so fun. It's so cool to, to sit down. I've, I've only gotten to do it like a couple times, but to sit down with students and to, to eat with them and to spend time with them. And it's just an awesome blessing. So, um, so yeah, be on the lookout for that. So since this is my first time up here in front of you all, I just wanted to give a little bit more of an introduction of me and my family. And so as I was uh, writing this down, Jennifer, my wife, was looking over my shoulder, giving me pointers, like, say this, say this, say this. So I've got uh, the approved list of things to say right here. It's pretty awesome. So Jennifer, we'll start off with Jennifer, my wife. Jennifer, she's pretty awesome. We were actually high school sweethearts, so we grew up in the same town, and uh, we met, or we really got to know each other and became best friends. She was in eighth grade, I was in ninth grade. We went to this cool uh, college worship service in Sioux Falls. We would drive there every Friday. Why would you do that on a Friday, go to worship service? But we did. Um, it was awesome. And so that's kind of where we got to know each other, us and a bunch of friends. Uh, she likes coffee and trying new coffee shops. She loves it when I get get her little things like that, little copies here and there, little notes, little stuff like that. Nah, nah, nah. It's, it's really her love language. She likes warm weather, which, you know, this is not a good day for that. This is like crazy. It's so cold outside today. Holy smokes. Um, her, favorite, her favorite movie is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. It's pretty awesome. The one with Jim Carrey. That's the one that she likes. So she's watched that one a couple times. I can attest to that. She... Um, she just loves being a mom, and she loves pouring into our three kids. I have three kids. Um, she, just, she just makes our house warmer, you know? Like, sometimes we joke. Uh, I, I'm kind of like the schedule person. I'm like, okay, we, nap time's at this time, put everybody to bed at this time. But she just makes everything warm, you know? She, she rounds the rough edges of my personality and stuff like that. And sometimes we jokingly say, you know, uh, she just thinks of all the little things that are good to do where I sometimes, one example is sometimes we joke and I, I, we say like, you know, if it was just me with our kiddos, they'd probably get a bath like once a month, you know? 
probably something like that. It's true. Like, I just don't think, there's just so many things that just like, and she, she knows what they like. She, she knows, you know, what they need, all this stuff. And it's just, it's just wonderful. Um, she's, she's just an absolute blessing to me. Um, okay, so quick little bit about my kids. So Seasons, she is our hyper running around, super energetic four-year-old. She is super smart. She'll, she'll go up to you and she'll say hi. She'll probably do it at some point here um, in, you know, some morning here while I'm saying hi to people. Oh, hey, there we are. That's awesome. Thank you, guys. It's great. Good work. <laughs> but um, yeah, Seasons, she's, she kind of doesn't have a filter and so she'll just come up and she'll just say hi. She's not re- really shy, really. So that's pretty crazy. She likes making crafts. Uh, one thing that she likes to do is make um, like little notes and stuff for her Sunday school teachers. She likes doing that. And she's really smart. Uh, the other night I was telling her, actually last night, I was telling her a Bible story. And she, every single word that I say that's new, she'll ask about it. And so I had to explain to her what an advisor to the king was last night. So, yeah, she loves that. Phoenix... Okay, Phoenix is our two-and-a-half-year-old. He likes, he, he's in the stage where he gets like fixated on things. And you know, we all get fixated on things, and um, I'm sure like, you know, older kids get fixated on stuff too. But him in particular, like, it's a, okay, he really likes Blippi. How many of you guys know who that is? Okay, if you have like a seven-year-old or younger, you have to know who that is, okay? And he dressed up as that for Halloween this last year, which was really funny. But he loves those songs, he, he, like a couple of those songs, like the Monster Truck song. And um, monster trucks are big, monster trucks are loud. Like I've got it memorized, right? Me and my wife, we could sing them. It's terrible. Uh, it's like torture. Um, and, and like he, he really likes the song, The Floor is Lava. And you know, when I don't know how to explain it, but... It's kind of like, you know, when you, were, when you were signing up for kids, you didn't know that you were signing up to have this thing run in the background 24-7. Here's the song again and again and again and again. I think it is, you know, it is, I don't know how else to say it besides like a, a subtle form of torture. Uh, but it's great. It's great. And sometimes it's, it's crazy because he'll like rise up out of bed and he'll be like, the floor is lava. Play the floor is lava. I'm like, no, not already this morning. It's crazy. Um, that's Phoenix. And then Crew, our one-year-old, she's pretty awesome. She is a serious kid, and sometimes if you come up to her, she'll scowl at you. She'll just be like, you know, she'll give you that look. She's, I like to say she's kind of like a pixie. She just kind of like floats around the house, (laughs) you know, uh, has to touch everything, has to go everywhere and do that. And I think she's really chill, and God really blessed us with having our third kid, like, I think God knew, man, I'm going to give them a break and give them a chill child. So she is our chill child. Yeah. And then just a little bit about me, just to give you a little bit of insight. I like to tell people that I grew up one quarter farm kid. And I always remember these images just plastered in my mind of me and my brother and my dad and my, and my dad's pickup going out to the farm a couple miles outside of town. And he did farming out there. I remember scooping out... Uh, bends of corn, driving some tractors around, stuff like that. Awesome memories. I graduated from this place in Chicago called the Moody Bible Institute um, in 2013, which is a while ago. Um, And then right after I graduated from college there, 
uh, 10 days after that, Jennifer and I got married, and then a couple days after that, I started my first uh, job at a church. So it was like boom, 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 and that was in 2013. So, um, yeah, I, I am just absolutely blessed with my family. Uh, a couple more things about me. I'm totally a nerd. Like, Lord of the Rings and stuff, like, totally gets me super pumped. And, um, I, but I still like football. I like Frisbee golf. I like all that stuff. I'm, I'm a, I, so I come from Minnesota, so I'm a Vikings fan. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of you out there. Yeah? Vikings fans? Yes, I am not alone. Sweet. We'll, we'll cry together after a couple games here. Just wait, just wait. We'll have a good cry. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love Jesus with all my heart. I love teaching God's word. And I'm so excited to be with you guys this morning. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And we will have the verse up here um, on the projector here in a little bit. But Romans chapter 12 I wanted to talk to you guys about something unique, something really, really different, okay? This is uh, like 360 turn. It'll be like, whoa, this is kind of an interesting topic, but um, just something that's been on my mind lately, and so I thought, hey, this is kind of where I feel God leading us. So a lot of times on New Year's, people will talk about, you know, this is a New Year's resolution that we need to do. This is, you know, like to say, New Year's resolutions is just a to-do list for the first, the first month of the year, and then <laughs> we'll see if it sticks. Um, but yeah, I wanted to kind of sh- um, share with you guys maybe something new that you could shoot for for this coming year. And the thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about this morning is this thing called followership. 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 As opposed to leadership. Okay? I'm terming it that way. I know it's a kind of a funny word. But I think... It's good to say it like that because leadership is something where, you know, we have to work at it a lot of times. You know, we have to get better at speaking. We have to get better at talking with with people. We have to get better at, you know, organization and all these different things. You know, there's a lot of facets to leadership. And, you know, it's also true that there's a lot of facets to being a follower. And a lot of times we neglect it. And a lot of times we don't really put a lot of importance on a follower. But you know what's true? There is no such thing as a leader if you don't have followers. There's no such thing. Leadership doesn't always come naturally, but neither does being a good follower. I'm sure you know somebody who, in your life, that isn't a very good follower. I'm sure you guys know somebody who isn't a very good follower. Maybe they're, you know, your friend that's a type A personality, who's just like, you know, I know what's right. This is the way it should go. Boom, boom, boom. And when it comes to, you know, following somebody else's lead, they really struggle, you know. It's, it's really hard for them to do that. I think, you know, kind of naturally, we all kind of struggle with being a follower to, from time to time because we're sinful and we like to be um, the leader, if you know what I'm saying. Maybe the person that is, a, is, a, is a, not a very good follower is your, your, mo- your mother or maybe your old man is not a very good follower, if you know what I'm saying. Or maybe if you remember, uh, there is a kind of person that might really struggle with that. The truth is, we all have a hard time following. But it's so important. It's so important. And the, the thing that I want to say to you guys today is that if we can follow God, if we know what that looks like, if we can see, hey, God created me, He loves me, 
he's looking over, he's watching me, right? He's watching over me, and he loves me. He's given his life for me in my place so that I can have forgiveness of my sins. He walks with me every day of my life. He's there with me all the time. I can follow him, and if I can follow him and everything that he wants for my life, if I can do that, I can follow somebody else that God's put in my life, some authority that God's put in my life. You students, you students, God has placed a mom and a dad in your life, or maybe a mom, or maybe a dad, or he's, he's put somebody in your, in your life that's an authority figure, and he put them there just for a few short years to point you in the, in the generally right direction, right? Follow them. Follow your parents. It's so important. God has given us people that he wants us to follow. And I think a lot of times in our culture, following is not even something that is nice. It's not even something that's good. Actually, I really struggled writing this talk because I didn't even know how to convey it in the right way because, man, like following somebody, it's almost like a negative thing. In, in God's word and in the scripture, it's over and over again. Man, you look at Jesus' life. Jesus was a servant leader. Yeah, he led, but he followed. You, you read uh, certain passages of Jesus' life where, where Jesus literally says, I, I do nothing of my own accord. I do only what my Father in heaven has told me. Jesus followed everything that he did in his life. Even like uh, when he washed his disciples' feet. What kind of leader does that? He was pushing somebody else. He was coming behind. He was following somebody else, pouring into them. We need this. And so many times, I feel like we are a leadership-saturated culture. Like, think of all the conferences. Think of all the seminars. Think of all the, the workshops, you know? There's a million things. Leadership, leadership, leadership. Learn how to lead this. Learn how to lead in your home. Learn how to lead in your business. Learn how to lead in your ministry. Learn how to lead in... in all these on your sports team, learn how to lead, 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 lead. But how many times do we hear how important it is to follow? And guys, I feel like if we can understand our relationship with God and how we follow him, we can understand how we can follow other people. If you have a hard time following your parents sometimes, man, I struggled with that at, at many points when I was growing up, following my parents. It was so hard. But if I could understand how how to relate with God, and that I'm to follow him. I'm supposed to submit my life to him. I'm supposed to um, give him my heart. I'm supposed to give God my heart. And if I can give God my heart, even though I don't understand it, even though I don't get it, even though I want to do exactly the opposite of what they're telling me to, I can give, I can give my parents my heart. Or in your marriage relationship, I know... <laughs> Uh, my spouse wants me to do this. I know I don't want to do it. I know it's like, you know, or they've, they've done this to me a million times. How can I forgive them again? But again, you can say, I've given my heart to God. I can give my heart to my spouse. I can do it again. We can, we can submit to each other out of, the, out of the fear of the Lord. You know what's so cool is? Um, I love being in ministry, but you know it's also true that just like we give God our heart, in a sense, we're supposed to give 
our pastor, our heart. We're supposed to, we're supposed to be open with our pastor. We're supposed to trust our pastor. We're supposed to follow our pastor. And what's so cool is, I'm so excited. Um, our, our staff team is so cool. And I know when I was here, uh, like a couple months ago, just getting to know everybody, it was such a blessing to get to know everybody. And to get to know Anthony. Guys, I, I want to tell you guys that you have such a wonderful leader in Anthony. You do. We do. So excited to be a part of that. And what would it look like to follow in a deeper way? To I, I, I term it like this, followership, but it's how do we follow somebody well? We don't even know how to do that. How do we follow somebody well? How do we follow our pastor well? Maybe this is something that we could latch onto this year, and maybe we could ask God in some hard ways, some new ways. God, how do you want me to follow in a new, fresh way, in, in a higher, better way? So I wanted to bring up this passage of Scripture here. Um, maybe if you could, let's all, if you're able, would you stand with me? And let's read this passage that I wanted to go through. So would you stand up with me? Let's read it all together. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 5. If you have it in your Bible, that's totally cool. And we will read this together. This is from the ESV. So let's read it. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one in Christ, and individually members one of another. Let me pray for us, and we'll jump into this. Let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you. Uh, we're talking about following and leading today, and God, to be honest, sometimes it's really hard for me to follow anyone because I, I like my own thoughts. I like my own desires. I like to do what I want to do. But God, I know according to your word, that's not where life is. Life isn't about me. Life isn't about following me, myself. Life isn't about anything else except you, Jesus. God, that's what's li what life is about. It's about following you. And God, if we can understand what following you is about, we can understand what it's like to love others. We can understand what it's like to give our heart. Just like we give our heart to you, God, we can give our heart to our parents. We can give our heart to our spouse. We can give our heart even to, even to our boss. We can give our heart to somebody else. God, teach us what it looks like to be a servant. Teach us what it looks like to follow well. And God, I thank you for your word. I pray that it would be powerful this morning. I pray that you'd speak to us in a new and fresh way. We thank you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I love this passage because I really think it, it touches on a couple points that are key to what I'm saying is followership. It has a couple key points that are really good, and I want to bring up 
three points from this passage. And so as you have your Bibles, I'm going to walk through it, and we're going to talk about just a couple portions in here that I think really illuminate what it means to be a follower, how to do that well, and how to combat the things that, that destroy unity. Because this is the thing, guys, when we're not good followers, we destroy unity. In your marriage, if you're not a good follower, which at times, like, okay, I'll tell you a time when I follow my wife, and it's literally like she's the boss, okay? This is when, all right? When I'm, when I'm gone at work all day, and she's like, hey, when are you getting home? When are you getting home? We got to put the kids to bed. Blah, blah, blah. We got a million things to do. As soon as I walk in the door, she's the boss. I'm like, whatever you want me to do, honey, I'm here. Like, let's go. Want me to do bottles? Here we go. Want me to change diapers? Let's go. You want me to, you know, throw in, throw in a load of dishes before bed? You know, here I go, here I go. Because I know she's been at it all day. And she's been with those kiddos all day. And I know that's what she needs. So when I come home, she's the boss. But if I'm not able to do that at all, if I let pride or whatever it is get in the way, conflict happens. If you're not able to be a follower in any sense, that's when conflict happens. That's true in marriage. We know that's true. When it comes to your parents, teenagers, kids, you have to I don't even know. See, even in how I was careful in how I was wording it, because it, it, it's even hard in how I, I word it, because it just sounds odd to us, because it's just like, oh, just listen, just listen to them. Um, that's what I was about to say, but if, if you don't follow your parents, if you don't follow your parents, conflict happens. Boom. And the reason why that happens is because the reason why that conflict happens, it isn't because they don't like fun. It isn't because they don't understand you. It isn't because all these other things. The reason why it happens is actually because your parents, they love you. And when, when you don't follow your parents when they want you to do something, that, that's what happens. The, the, the discipline or whatever happens, happens because they love you. God has placed authority in our life for a huge, good, beneficial reason. Um, so what, what is followership? Followership is being a good helper to somebody. It's about being a willing, uh, the willingness to follow a leader. It's about supporting a leader well. It's about giving your heart to somebody else. And that's scary. I mean, when you think of like... Um, I'm just going to keep jumping around between these couple of relationships because I think it does really, really well. So when you think about marriage, one of the, one of the scariest things is, is giving your heart to somebody else. Because, man, like with my, with my wife, if, if, I, if I put her first in the relationship and I serve her, you know, I'm, I'm doing her love language, I'm getting her treats, I'm, you know, and I, and I put my needs second, she can stomp. She, 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 like, I kind of make myself vulnerable to her, don't I? If I give her my heart and I put her first, she, can, she could neglect me and that would make me feel even worse. But there's this kind of thing where if we don't do that, then it's a rivalry of, hey, have you met my needs? Have, have you met my needs? And it goes back and forth, back and forth. 
giving your heart to somebody. Um, I have an example of this, um, of it going wrong. So I, was, I, was, I did a lot of things in high school, but one of the things that I did was band. And I played an instrument in band, and uh, it was a drum, and it was drum line. Well, so this was like my second or third year in high school. And, you know, I felt like I knew a lot, right? I, I really knew how things should be. And there was a new teacher that came in to help with our drum line. And I just remember this because um, there was just a lot of rumblings. A lot of people didn't like this person, didn't like him. And uh, because of that, because we weren't being good followers of, of our teacher, it made it really hard for them. Maybe some of you students, you know, maybe it's a substitute teacher or maybe there's a teacher at school that, that a lot of kids, they don't like to follow that person. And, and that can actually be a really bad situation. And you should never be one of those students that, that team up or gang up on a, on, a, on a teacher. Never be that person. Always be the person that respects the person in authority because that's what I believe God wants us to do. Um, but in this situation... Um, there was audibles that we would do, like, you know, we would do, like, we would shout something, like, save the whales, or whatever, um, and we, it, it, would, it would just be like a team thing, and, and this, this teacher did not get that, and he just, he just started saying, hey, this is the way it's going to be, this is going to be the way it's going to be, this is the way it's going to be, and people were not liking it, okay, and just, just, just to um, give you a little bit of a taste, it was really uh, the first two years that I was a part of it, it was really student-run. But when he came in, all of a sudden, it became something else. All of a sudden, he was running it. And to be very truthful, we did not like how he was running it. And so there came a day, he had a new suggestion, and I had enough. And I put down my drum, and I walked out the door on my teacher. I kid you not. And... Um, and Looking back, it's embarrassing, but I was not going to follow that teacher. I was not going to listen to him anymore. Listen, guys, I knew it was right. I was right. I was proud. I knew how, how it should be, and this guy had it all wrong, and I was going to let him know. And so, literally, I walked out of the classroom, and I was done with it. And I just want to say, you know... That, that was so wrong of me. But um, what would God have you to do with people in authority? Um, I had some stats, okay? These are some stats, and I want to throw these out here. They're going to be kind of crazy, but these are stats having to do with churches. And, and I want to make one connection here before we kind of jump into our passage, but... Um, these stats are really interesting because they talk about, I think, they, they have a connection with followership, okay? So these are negative stats having to do with the church. And these are from a couple books that I've just recently read. So 80% of U.S. seminary graduates leave ministry within the first five years, and they're done. 18,000, I had to kind of double-check some of this stuff because some of the numbers were kind of crazy, but it checks out. 18,000 ministry leaders leave the ministry every year due to conflict, due to conflict within their ministry. 
80% of clergy spouses want their spouse to leave pastoral ministry because of the stresses and, and all the things that happen in ministry. This was a crazy stat. 53,000 churchgoers leave church with no plans to return every week. They're just, I'm done. Isn't that nuts? And, and you know, there, there is interesting things with this because there's people going into church also. So it's not taking into account a lot of those things. And with this next stat, it's also true. There's churches coming on board all the time. But it's also true, this is a stat, 3,000 churches close down every year. Maybe you didn't know that. And this is, this is across the U.S., okay? All that to say, like, um, you know, churches are not like lifeless, emotionless things. Churches are not, um, you know, just a building. Churches are people. And actually, church leaders, a lot of times they get depleted, they get burned out, they get weak. And there's, there can be so many reasons for a lot of this stuff happening, you know, all those stats. There, there can be a lot of reasons for people dropping out or, or you know, uh, clergy dropping out or whatever. There can be a lot of reasons. But I think one thing is true that if we, if more followership would happen, I think a lot of that would be lessened. So let's jump into this passage, okay? Um, so Romans chapter 12. Let me just read it one more time here. For by, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself, than what he ought to think. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members to one another. So going back to the beginning here, and maybe we could go back to the first verse, verse 3. If you look at this, so how can I describe followership in three quick points? Three points, okay? So if this perked your interest, tune in, because these, these are three big points that I think might help you with your followership. Followership. So the first point is, as you look, for, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone not to think more highly than someone ought, than he ought, but to think with sober judgment. The enemy of followership, the enemy of followership is pride. That's the first point. The enemy of followership is pride. As you look, um, there's obviously a temptation to think more highly of yourself than what you should, according to this passage. So even though pride isn't mentioned there, pride is implied. Because why else should you, you know, think not so highly of yourself if pride is not involved? I love to look at the, the distinction between uh, how Jesus lived his life and how he was so humble. You look at everything that he did. It's just amazing. Just amazing the example that Jesus gives us. But you can also look at, at the example of um, probably the one that's most known for pride, and that's Satan. So we got Satan on one side, Jesus on the other side. Satan, uh, he, he is proud, right? He's a deceiver. And when you think about why he was cast out of heaven to begin with, it was because of pride. 
because of pride. He wanted to be um, like God. But you look at Jesus, and he served his disciples. He served people. He healed people. He did all these things for other people. And I always think that it's interesting um, you, when, uh, when Jesus was tempted okay, in the wilderness. This is crazy, okay? He was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. The last one, the last temptation that Satan did was he brought him up onto a mountaintop and he said, hey, all these nations can be yours if you worship me. So there, Jesus is, you know, there's, there's lots of ways that you can slice that. There's lots of ways that you can think about that. But one way that you can think about that is that, wow, Jesus could have all that leadership. But that wasn't his mission right then. It wasn't his mission. But that's what Satan was all about. He's all about control. He's all about pride. You and I can be all about pride. We can be all about ourselves. We can be all about control. And that will hinder our relationship with others. That will hinder, when it comes to our relationship with God, that will hinder that, man. If you have pride in your relationship with God, this is what you won't do. If you have pride in your relationship with God, you will not, if there's a sin in your life, you will not defer to God in what he says. But you'll find a way around it. You'll call it something else. You'll, you'll say, oh, it's, you know, different strokes for different folks. So you'll say, oh, that's love. You know, we should just love or something like that. If you're proud, you won't submit to God. And that gives you a picture because if you know what it means to submit to God, you can submit to other people. If you're, pri- if you're prideful towards a relationship in your life, if you're prideful towards a, a, a person in a position of authority in your life, it won't work. It won't work. Pride is the enemy of followership. Um, let's go to point number two. So point number one, pride. Watch out for pride. Pride is the enemy of followership. If you want to be a good follower, watch out for pride in your own life. Number two. Um, so there's a couple parts in this passage that are really cool. So verse three. Verse three, it says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, so at the beginning there, he says, there's a little phrase, he says, for by the grace given to me, and I think that this is funny, okay? All right, because um, imagine if that phrase was gone, and instead he said, Paul said there, um, I'm an apostle, listen to me, and I say to everyone amongst you, don't think of yourself more highly than what you should. He doesn't say that. He doesn't appeal to his own authority, but he says, for by the grace given to me, I say to you, do this. That's really cool. And notice he actually comes back to that. A couple uh, parts later here, still in verse 3, it says, but think with sober judgment according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So how do you view yourself? How do you view yourself with sober judgment? According to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Not that you have, that God has assigned. Okay, have you guys seen, uh, there's a lot of sports people that do this, but like a basketball player, They'll shoot a three, right? It'll go in or whatever, and they'll go like this, you know, all the glory to God. Sometimes that can be a little cliche, but I think it's good, actually. Or like somebody gets a touchdown, um, and they go, you know. And what that means is, hey, I know I did this, but I'm going to give glory to God. That's really true. You know what's true is? These guys, these, these people in this church, they should listen to Paul. 
They should, because he's an apostle. But he doesn't use that. He uses, for by the grace given to me by God. And so the second point is, um, when you view a blessing in your life, maybe you do something really great and you're really good at it. And when you do something really great, a lot of times there's a temptation to stop being a follower, to stop being a follower. But if you think of it more, hey, God did this, God did this, or it wasn't me, it was God. Man, this is over and over again in the New Testament where even Paul, he'll say things like, um, you know, this is God powerfully working in me to do these things. When we think about what God does in our life, it's God that does it. If you think of a blessing in your life, maybe you have an awesome job, God did that, not you. Maybe you have an awesome relationship. Maybe you're blessed with an awesome relationship. God did that, not you. (laughs) God did that. Maybe you did an awesome achievement back in the good old days. God did that, not you. And if you think of it in that way, it will prevent pride in your life. Okay? If If you're starting varsity on the team, just remember, God did that, not you. So important. It's so important. And it's true, ultimately. Um, Ultimately, it's true. Ultimately, God gives you life. He gives you breath. He gives you everything. Be thankful. Be thankful. So that's an awesome way to be a follower. And the last one is this. So the first one, watch out for pride. The second one, view blessing as God's blessing. It didn't come from you. It's from God. Now, the last one is, if you look at verse 4 and 5, I love these last, four, these last two verses. Verse 4 says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all do the same function. So he's saying that there's all these different kinds of people. And you know, there's one person that's really good at giving. There's one person that's really good at hospitality. And just because they do something different doesn't mean that they're better, doesn't mean that they're worse than you. But you should have, they just do something different. And, and it uses this, bo- this body metaphor. There's an eye, there's a mouth to a body, there's an ear. They all do different things, but we should all view them as equal. Equal value, equal worth. I think this is, okay. Um, there was somebody, okay, in one of my classes way back in the day, we were talking, and um, and this person was, was really against being a follower in one certain area. And I said, you know, what do you think about um, Jesus in relationship to his father? What do you think about that? And they, they weren't quite sure where I was going. And I, said, and I said this, I said, isn't it interesting that Jesus is totally equal to his father? That's what we believe as Christians, that God the father and the son are totally equal. They have equal value and equal worth. But while Jesus was on this earth, he submitted to his Father in everything. Wow, that is so cool. That is a powerful truth. Just because you're a follower, just because you're doing something else that somebody else isn't doing, it doesn't mean that you're of any less worth or value. So I hope I gave you something interesting to think about. I hope in your life that you, you might think that and, and apply that. Maybe you're, maybe you're a son or a daughter, right? You've got, uh, you've got some parents. Hey, maybe what would it look like to follow them more, to actually pour into that relationship, to give them my heart and to trust them? Maybe 
with your spouse. I know this is something I always work on with Jennifer. Man, I, I always have to be more, more humble, more sweet, um, more life-giving to her. Just encourage you, give your heart to them again. Commit, commit this morning to give your heart to them. Because if you can give your heart to God, if you understand that, you can give your heart to a person. And also, when it comes to the church, I pray that we would all give our hearts to the people in this room, that we would submit to each other as to the Lord, and that God would use us. Because this is the truth. Even though we're so different, we're one body in Christ Jesus. God makes us one. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for this chance that we can get into your word. God, um, I pray that we would never be a people that doesn't listen to, to wisdom. I pray that we would never be a people that always seeks to speak first and not to listen. God, I pray that we would never be a people that, that just kind of never gives our hearts to somebody else to follow them. But God, I pray that we would, we would be quick to learn. God, I pray that we would be quick to ask questions. And Jesus, I pray that you would use us as a church powerfully. God, I pray that you would use us as an individual for your glory powerfully. Jesus, I pray that you would move in our lives. And God, I just pray that, um, that God, we would ultimately we would follow you. God, we want to follow you. Move in our hearts, move in our family. Thank you for this time. Amen.